tend to do it our own way. Not just this church, but church in general. How many people assume you know church based on just mostly experience and what you heard, and after, after several years, you're just content to do church your way versus the fundamentals, sticking to the fundamentals. He goes on to say this. A player should be interested in learning why things are done a certain way. The reasons behind the teaching often go a long way to helping develop the skill. The why. And that's what we've been looking at in Scripture is the why. Because oftentimes you might come to church and, oh, it's a series on church. That's code for they're recruiting. Wink, wink. That's code for they're going to tell us what we should be doing. Wink, wink. A lot of times in churches when we teach on church, inadvertently we communicate that this is what, what you're supposed to do. Just do this. Just do this. Just do this. We're looking at the why. The heart. The heart. And and let me let me let me kind of preface this and step back a little bit. As we're looking at the biblical view of church, I want to say this right off the bat. This is not a recruitment campaign. Now, what I mean by that is, is we we understood and we knew that when we moved here, we we could get some new visitors and people that, that um, God may call. Join us as a church family. Wonderful. Celebrate that. Praise God. So I, I, I want, we want you to understand that what we're looking at here in, in God's view, of God's teaching of God's church, these scriptural truths apply wherever you end up. Because it's his church universal. And it's his scripture. So the value in going through this together, A, if God calls you here, and we ask you if, if church, consider it first and foremost, consider it vertically. Seek the Lord where he wants you. Okay? If this is where he calls you to land, then understand you're, you're hearing our heart. You're hearing the foundation of, of how, how we do things around here. The basics, the reasons, the fundamentals. If this isn't where God calls you, take this all with you. Because it applies wherever he calls you as part of his broad church. Amen? Okay? So, so I, I just, I just want to say that because, oh, you know, they're trying to get us to sign up to be members. Uh, we have we have what we call here at Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship, we have what's called covenant. We don't call it membership. The word membership is not in the Bible. We call it covenant. If God calls you to be in covenant with us, there is a bit of a process we go through, and we're going to talk about that later in the fall. Not now. So if you're here and, and you just joined us this summer, welcome. We love you, and, and you're a part. You've learned, right? If you're a believer, you're part of the... You're already in. You're already in. I understand I've been in church ministry for 25 years. I understand that people come and they seek the Lord, Lord. And there's a variety of, of uh, you know, things that people can consider where they're being called to, be, to plug in. Our heart here is if God calls you to be a part of this church family, then he's calling you to participate. That applies here or anywhere else. Because you have gifts, you have talents, you're just called to be a part of the church. Okay? The second thing that, that's challenging about learning about the church in our culture is that, quite frankly, if you look at the early church versus how we do church, it's just kind of really hard to, to get. Now, we've been talking about uh, one another and active participation and belonging to one another. That's kind of challenging when you meet once or twice a week. Maybe three times if you're really committed. Right? In this, in this marriage series, they shared, they shared a, a study and, and, and here, it was fascinating. Here, here were the results of the study. They said it takes 9 to 14 years for a married couple to develop a we identity and mentality versus an I. 
14 years for a married couple to become more we-centered than me-centered. Nine to 14 years of two people who live together, 24 seven, 365, all share everything, nine to 14 years to go from me to we. And we get together once a week. <laughs> and, I, and as I reflected on the, the enormity of the challenge in the human realm, if a church is to go from me to we, that's crazy. If it takes a married couple nine to 14 years to develop a we mentality, Lord, how is the church supposed to go from me to we? That's, that's nuts. Because, because I did some math. I did some math. Went to UCLA, Mark. Got some math, right? I did calculate some. For the average Sunday attender, Let's say you're committed and you come 52 weeks out of the year. Perfect attendance stuff. Okay? 52 weeks out of the year. Let's say you're here on Sunday, 52 weeks out of the year, for two and a half hours. You get here at 9.30 and you leave at 12. 52 weeks! You are on it! <laughs> if you did that, if we added up those hours, you would be here a grand total of 5.4 days <laughs> out of 365. 5.4 days out of 365, and we're just all supposed to get along <laughs> and one another. 5.4 days out of 365 if you came every Sunday and didn't just leave, but actually went over there, got here half an hour early, Stayed half an hour late, connected with people, you're still only here 5.4 days out of the year, right? Now, let's go to the committee. If you come Sunday, and then you come midweek, and even Thursday, okay? So let's add four hours extra for Bible study and service. So 2.5 plus four hours during the week. 52 weeks out of the year. So you're, you're, you're connected in some way 6.5 hours a week for 52 weeks. You know how many days you're connected to the church family? 14.6. 14? Yes, you gotta yeah, I'm in the 14 club. 14.1 days for those we consider really committed. And we wonder why it's just this enormous task to go from me to we as a church. Now remember, that's 52 weeks. That means you didn't miss a week for whatever reason. I mean, do you see it? It kind of puts it in perspective. Now, here's how we would be more, more like the early church. Let's say there was a natural disaster in Ohio. And let's say most of the homes were destroyed and therefore, we pitched tents on the rest of our acres. Let's say we all had to live on our back lots here and farm to live. Ooh. That means you're going to see people when they get up. <laughs> that means people aren't going to be going to sleep when you go to sleep. That means we are in this together. And it's going to be uncomfortable. And you know what? Honestly, it won't matter because all we're trying to do is survive. Amen? See, that's what happened to the early church in Acts 2. We celebrate the movement of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, but you got to think of the early church leaders. 3,000 people were saved. They had nowhere to live. They had to be fed. The early church was very uncomfortable, very messy, very dirty, and they survived because they weren't focused on themselves. It was an, it was an immediate week because they just had to survive daily. So they, the week took care of itself just by getting food on the table, just by helping people find jobs, just by selling my stuff for your good. It was a bigger picture than just me. Big 
fast forward to 2017, and by golly, I see you 5.4 days out of the year. And sometimes I might not even talk to you because it's so many people. That's, that's being lonely. That's the, I share that with you because I understand the challenge. I understand the challenge. I want you to know our heart, and we understand it's a process, and there's relationships. But we would get to know each other a lot sooner and a lot quicker if we were camped out here. Good, bad, and ugly, we would get to know each other. Right? The challenge and the investment for all of us as we move forward in, in, in applying scriptural truth about the church is to recognize that we have a very limited time together. And then it becomes a choice of whether or not we're going to engage in the church family outside of official programs. And I know a lot of you do. I know a lot of you uh, carpool and share needs and, and uh, are engaged in each other's lives outside of our official programming. And that's just But recognize part of this disconnect in, in this teaching is that the early church, by default, was forced together. And in comfortable U.S. of A., we're still trying to work through getting church in sometimes. And what's comfortable and what's convenient, you know, and part of the church. And we celebrate that. In fact, uh, Pastor Tyler and I, we kind of um, surprised some people, because if you didn't know, um, the new pastor, Pastor Nick, of First Baptist Church, starts today, his first sermon. So Tyler came this morning, we get here about, he gets here about seven, and I said, hey, if we finish up early, let's go over there, and let's just say hi. So about a little after nine, I'm like, I finished up here, and I'm like, hey man, let's go. Jumped in my car, drove really far. <laughs> it was funny because Carl, Carl was walking the church, and you're right about, you're about to turn into the lot. He's like, what are you doing? We're gonna listen to the new guy today, you know. And and the great thing is, we we walk in and and their their front door is open, so the worship team is doing their routine. And I'm like, this is going to be good. <laughs> so we just walk right in. We saw Larry McMillan. Say, hey, Larry, is the new guy here? Because I don't know. So can, can you help us find him? So we walk in, and the worst team's like, <laughs> what are you doing here? It was so awesome. I mean, and after you know, we, we had fun with it, and, and the new guy wasn't there. But, um, <laughs> but we said hi to a lot of people. <laughs> but it was so cool because we're just the church. We're just the church. Why can't we go down there at nine something just to say hello? But you see how compartmentalized we get? That's First Baptist. We're the well. We're 11 o'clock. We're 10 o'clock. And to walk in and to break all these barriers. Hey! What you and it was so good because we are the church. Amen? just the church. And God didn't want us to be the church. Just be the church. I shared this with you last week, right? These building blocks. One by itself doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. It's pretty. It's shiny. <laughs> but the only way this makes sense is when it's part of something if you're a believer, you weren't, God didn't design you to be solo, to be isolated, to be solitary. In fact, there's a pretty, pretty heavy quote attributed to John Wesley. He says, there's nothing more unchristian than a solitary Christian. That's pretty heavy, right? God, as nice as this 
it's like he didn't design it. This makes really no sense, no practical sense. It's not why it was designed. Designed to be a part of something bigger than itself. And that's the church. You were all designed, you were all gifted to be a part of the church. In fact, the Bible says the body grows as every member does it.
Others now are a nuisance. I'm sorry I can't give you a ride to the doctor because I'm doing Bible study. <laughs> did you hear that? Did, did you hear that? Right? Or we swing the other way if we're not careful. And it's all about love and feelings and emotions. And, and we water doctrine down. Right? Biblical love is not condoning false doctrine. Amen? What unites us is truth. What unites us is orthodox doctrine. Okay? So the pendulum, you have to be very careful. You become so lovey-dovey that you just wash everything out you believe, and it's all emotion and experience, right? Or you become so academic and heavy that you're just an angry Christian, and you just want to debate everybody. God loves you, and I'm going to prove it. Okay. Right? I mean, they go together. They're in balance. As our faith grows, our love should grow. Amen? That's the market. That's the fundamental. That's the fundamental. And so, as a church, how does that play out as a church? We're here. We worship together. We teach you the word. Bill does a great job Tuesday night. We want your faith to grow. We want you to know doctrine. We want you to know truth. And then our desire is that plays out in your life with love. Biblical love, right? Turn to Galatians 5.6. I'm going to go back to several books. Galatians 5.6. Galatians 5.6. context of this book is that there are some believers who are struggling with receiving salvation simply by grace. And they are struggling with merit and works and performance and brownie points and all this. They're still struggling and trying to work through getting rid of the old law and the legalism and just resting in God's promise of salvation by grace through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's what they're struggling with, right? And look what he says in Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. No works. No works. The only, everyone say only. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through Faith expressing itself through what? Love. Question, what's your motive? Why do you do what you do as a believer? Is it kind of like the circumcision, uncircumcision, works, performance, brownie points, merit, please God, you know, don't get God angry? Or is it the freedom of love? That you have been saved by grace through faith, the Holy Spirit has poured out God's love in your heart, Romans 5, 5. And you are so overwhelmed with God's love that you can't help but express it. Amen? You cannot help but express it. It doesn't take a pastor to tell you what you should do and shouldn't do. You're going up to people and say, how can I pray for you? What can I do for you? I want to bless you. I want to love you. What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? That's faith expressing itself through what? Love. Love. If we just did those two things, we'd be fine. In fact, we'd be more than fine. Amen? But then you bring in the organization of running a church. And we need children's workers. And we need kitchen help. And we need this. And we need this. And we need this. And if you're not careful, we slide right back into the merit system. And right back into doing, and right back into works, and 
right? And you know, da 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 da. And suddenly, we're all bound up again in the church. Serving in the church is no longer an expression of love. It's now turned into duty and works all over again. See, you gotta be real careful. Fundamental. Fundamental, right? Faith, love. Faith and love. Those are the fundamentals. So is your faith expressing itself in love? Honestly. Is as you have grown as a believer, have you grown in your love for God and for others? And what we're talking about isn't like the world view of love. We're talking about, if you didn't know before, it's agape love, self-sacrificial love. Right? We're not talking about love in the romantic sense and the very me-centered world sense. We're talking about biblical agape love. Right? And that's what you got to be real clear on, too. I, I shared this story before when I was little. Sixth grade. Had my first little girlfriend crush thing, right? And we used to talk on the phone. Anyone remember landlines? <laughs> right? And like if one person was on the phone, it was busy. Right? No one could use it. And I remember talking to this girl in sixth grade. And it's time to go, right? And she says, I love you. <laughs> I didn't know what else to say. In the movies, you should say it back, right? So two sixth graders say, I love you, and hang up. No clue. No clue what that meant. Right? Kind of just picked it up from your friends or from TV or from whatever, right? And if we're not careful, we bring that view of love into the church. And love can be conditional. And love can be self-centered. And love is, what, what, is you, what are you doing for me back? What do I get out of this? Biblical love, agape love, is self-sacrificial. I give for your benefit, expecting nothing back. It's self-sacrificial love. That's agape love. Where you give self-sacrificially for the benefit of the person with nothing expected in return. Faith expression of self and love. Right? Well, how does that man-generated thing. It is not a works thing that you generate. I'm going to be more loving. I'm going to be more loving. I'm going to be more loving. I'm going to be more patient. How many of you have ever got frustrated because you wanted to be more patient? <laughs> and you were impatient with yourself. Why? Because we try that, that, that whole fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, we take, we take that as a man-centered works thing. i got to be more loving. I gotta be more joyful. I gotta be more patient. I gotta be good. But we forget that Galatians 5.22 begins with, but the fruit of the all those things are fruits of the spirit. You don't generate it in your man-centered way. You let the spirit bear fruit in you. Now here's where it gets tough. Romans 5 5 says the love of God is poured out in our hearts by the Galatians 5.22 says love is a fruit of the So if you want to genuinely express agape love, you got to be in the spirit. you got to call time out on trying your darndest. And you got to admit, the first step for many of us, and I went down this journey too, the first step, next time you have quiet time, you do this. I can't! I can't. I can't love like I'm supposed to, God. Let's just, let's just put it in there. I can't. If you get to that place of genuine humility and honesty with the Lord, what you're doing is allowing the Spirit to be the Spirit. The love of God is poured 
love has been food of the Spirit. Get out of the way. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. It's a choice you and I have every single day. I talked to someone for an hour yesterday who got to the end of themselves, so frustrated at themselves, so angry at themselves, because they're trying so hard to react and respond the Christian way. And they were repeatedly failing. Fail, 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 fail. And they called me mid-afternoon and said, can you talk? I'm like, sure. And for an hour, we walked through the fact that they're trying to bear the fruit of the Spirit in the flesh. And their repeated failures is God's way of bringing them to the end of themselves and waving a white flag. And after an hour,
agape love. It's so sacrificial love. There was a beautiful example of this. Tyler talked about um, the Magic Mountain trip. There was a beautiful example, even from our teenagers, of agape self-sacrificial love. One of the girls had brought a backpack. And in the backpack was her phone and, and some money that she had saved up for another trip. Her backpack was stolen in one of the roads. Crying, heartbroken, comes across my wife. My wife helps her out, calls the mom, right? Just broke, broken heart because that money she was going to use for another trip. She had saved it, lots of little money. On the way home, they stopped at McDonald's, Gilmore's, McDonald's Park, wherever that is. And the group, without her knowledge, the group passed around the bag and said, if you want, this is what happened. If you want to contribute something, just put it in the bag. They get here. They hand the bag to her. They don't throw it away. <laughs> Take it home. That night, her mom calls and texts back and forth with my wife. The group gave her more money. Expressing itself through love resonated with this family. Probably will never forget what happened. Mom, I went to Magic Mountain, my backpack got stolen, and I ended up with more money than what I <laughs> God's economy, amen? God's church being God's church, amen? Self sacrificial love. It wasn't just about, hey, let's hang out and have a good time in Magic Mountain. No, it went from phileo love, hanging out love, to agape love, which now we've got to sacrifice. There's a need. Give whatever God puts on your heart. And when we all add it up, it was more than was stolen. And I celebrate that because that's a testimony to the church. Amen? That's the fundamentals. Faith and love. And because the fundamentals were exercised, it made a lasting impression on a church, a family that doesn't even go here. Doesn't even go here. And I, and I, I just, I was overwhelmed. I'm so thankful that there was a living example of faith expressing itself through love, through our junior high and high school. That's simple. Today, maybe, you got to settle the issue of faith. Where are you with Jesus today? Where are you with Jesus? Settle that issue of faith. Maybe you, you, you settle that issue, but you, the, love, the love issue you need to come back to. You need to, you need to resolve that issue of love. Maybe your motive hasn't been so much love as it's been works. Where, where, wherever you are in that. And as we for communion, right? We're gonna we're gonna celebrate communion again, and we've done this the last couple weeks. Where you come forward, remember communion isn't just a private thing. Communion is a statement of belief, faith, corporately, and communion is a statement within the church that we love one another. We are one loaf, and it's a statement when you come forward. It's a one another statement. That's what communion is. That's why we've been doing this, right? But if you need help to really understand why, why loving one another is outside the human realm, okay? We're just going to look. Turn to John real quick. We're going to look at a few verses in John, and this should serve to really, really remind us that it is a work of God. John thirteen. John 13, 
Lord, maybe we need to settle the faith issue. Maybe we need to find a new ground for the things that we're familiar with you. We need to stop trying to earn our way to heaven. We need to stop trying to prove ourselves. We need to get off the works mentality and receive church is more works driven and more performance driven and more merit driven than love. So we confess that and ask your forgiveness. Lord, my desire for us here as a church family would, uh, would be that whatever we do, you know, wherever we serve, whatever ministry you call us to, it would be an expression of love. An expression of love. As we celebrate who we are in Christ, that we don't have to prove anything. So, Lord, in this time of communion, 